one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering community for salt. This is the Howling Salt Mine. It's the Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast. The podcast where we delve into the salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community, find the saltiest stories, the saltiest posts, those salty confessionals that we love, put them in our mind cart, and bring them right back up to you, our dear prospectors at home. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today with my two co-hosts, Tony and Mike. Say hey, guys. What up, what up, what up? Hey, guys. Nice. Fucking nice. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> been a while. It's so good. <laughs> Hold my head up high. <laughs> okay. Listen to the radio edit of that song. <laughs> Have you ever heard the radio edit? Or sorry, listen to the actual version of that song that isn't the radio edit. Have you seen the album art? No. Is it crazy? No. Oh. I don't know. I haven't seen it either. Tony. I was just thinking back to that other fu- Pooh's Corner. <laughs> it can't be the same. So <laughs> it's very different. I think it's Stained is the band. It is. It is Stained. I just looked it up. It's kind of, man, it's kind of a bop though. It, it is. It is. But listen to the unedited version because I think like most people, unless you had the Stained CD, I think most people were listening to the version on the radio, which has all the swears edited out. The real version that has the swears, it just feels so, it feels so weird and heavy handed with the swearing. Like they're just swearing for the sake of it because they can. Who would ever do that? When like a preteen learns about swears and is just like throwing them in sentences all the time. It is really strange and and sounds very awkward in my opinion. I Yeah, I only use profanity when it's incredibly important. Uh, it's not just a part of my language. Totally. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> so what's going on, guys? We're yeah, I was just going to be like, what's happening? What's our opening bit here? We're a little low yeah. energy, huh? I'm trying to think of what I've done recently. I know what I've done. It's played Baldur's Gate. Also, I've been playing a shit ton of ping pong. There's this new uh, ping pong place that opened in Boston. That's like, oh. it's called Ping Pod. This is cool. You can sign in like no one's working there. You reserve a table space and by reserving a table space, you get like an ability to unlock the door to the place at the time that you're trying to play. Isn't that like a business format for like a gym? Like a lot of gyms have that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of that vibe a little bit. It's right near North Station in Boston. It's kind of on my commute home. When I was in Boston last, I went Oh, really? It had yeah. been open for like a week and me and two of my friends, one of our old roommates, and we were trying to get Mike to come, but he was on a stream. You guys were on it a stream. It was when we were playing with Madanon and Tony <laughs> oh, yeah. is texting me like, we need one more for doubles. Literally my favorite way to play ping pong. But I'm <laughs> with Tony, who doesn't live in my state, who is like around for one day and <laughs> is like, hey, come hang out with me. And I'm like, you, you ass. I'm Tony, literally- Tony, Tony, who has... Who presumably has our 
Howling Salt Mind Google Calendar in his phone. Completely knows. Completely (laughs) knows. Because he messages like, hey, are you just starting the stream or are you done with it? And I'm like, you get time for a quick ping pong? (laughs) No, I don't have time to take a train down to the city (laughs) and then play ping pong. Uh, I was so upset. But it is a cool spot. And then they've got like a think think a badminton racket that's like bent at the bottom and then they string like little lines across it and it's this like tool for picking up the balls off of the ground yeah. so like when you're knocking balls around you don't have to like keep chasing them down and then at the end you can walk around with this tool and just kind of like press it down on top of them and yeah. they get trapped in like a net what? it's actually pretty dope i can like not picture this in my mind's eye at all so imagine the racket, right? And then there's like basically this like mesh of net. It's more of a net than a, a racket, <laughs> a but mesh there is of net. a mesh of net. <laughs> Think of like a butterfly net or like uh-huh. a jellyfish catching net. Yeah. But okay. then the front has like these little elastic bands across it, like yeah. light, al- lightly elastic bands so oh, that you can so push it down like, on a ball oh, and it can yeah, go through it, but it's not going to just fall out. Yeah. That sounds those awesome. What balls. a great invention. Yeah. Dude. So you just like walk around bopping it on the balls. Yeah. Picking them up. Bop those balls. If you hold it above <laughs> your friend's Don't mind head. if I do. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Tyrus? <laughs> it doesn't even matter right now. You guys are talking about bopping balls. It won't. It won't equate. It matters. It matters. <laughs> it, matters. it matters a great deal. Oh, I was going to say it's a great could... deal. Okay. What is that okay. from? <laughs> I think it matters a great deal. What is happening? Is that from the room? It might be. I think it's from the room. I'm looking it up. Hmm. Have you guys ever seen the room? Hell yeah. No, I've only seen the. Actually, no. I've just seen a lot of clips. What guys? It. It's like one of the best movies of all time. I've seen a bunch of clips, but I've seen the movie about it with James Franco. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 movie's pretty good. Yeah, uh, but the the real deal is awesome. We found it in college and would just watch it all the time because it was just so fucking weird and funny and like the super awkward sex scenes and the terrible writing. It's so good. It it is probably my favorite movie to watch. <laughs> I'm envisioning you just like fucking high as shit like <laughs> sitting on a couch high as a rat dude. high movie. as a fucking rat just sitting on the couch putting in my burnt dvd yeah. of the room <laughs> actually i think it was on like a jump drive we had it because uh, it's in like the days of torrenting when torrenting was really cool and popular yeah oh man what a great thing tommy was so fucking liked one of my tweets one time about the room (laughs) (laughs) which felt amazing i sent it to all my friends that i used to watch the room with i was like look at this (laughs) are you looking it up mike did you find it i'm trying to find it i'm desperate this is the kind of shit that i like cannot make it through without like getting to the bottom of otherwise i'm like in in physical discomfort um and i have not been able to get to the bottom of it oh yeah it it is from the room. It is a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. That, yeah. That okay. line is from the room. Can you edit in the sound of that, please? Thank oh you. my god, I would absolutely love to. It, it's it's <laughs> the it's the scene after Denny gets like fleeced by the drug dealer on the roof. It has one of like the most amazing lines where. <laughs> Denny's basically like, stop ganging up on me. And then this weird old grandma is like, well, it's time somebody ganged up on you for God's sake. 
A man like that. Where in the hell did you meet a man like that? It doesn't matter. It matters a great deal. A man holds a gun on you, you almost got killed. You expect me to forget that. You're not my fucking mother. You're not my fucking mother. Classic line. I'll spice in some sound. We'll get it in here. (laughs) (laughs) I found that. Yeah, I found it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It matters a great deal. It matters a great deal. It matters a great deal. You, yeah, you guys so have good. to you have to watch okay. the room. To the listeners out there, if you haven't watched the room, check it out. It's a terrible movie. Mm, but so terrible it's good. Yeah, like, so it has a cult following. Like it was written, produced, funded, and starred the exact same dude who this weird guy named Tommy Wiseau, who just like can't really act and you don't know if he's in on the joke or not that he's super weird and that like makes the movie great they're like characters that appear and then just disappear they're like subplots that appear and just disappear it's incredibly strange highly highly worth watching beautiful film it's like like rocky horror picture films right there's like screenings of it where people like do shit isn't there Am I making yeah, that up? Yeah, there is. Yes, there's, yeah. there's like it's got that cult following where if you go see like a live showing of it, uh, sometimes they do them in like Boston and stuff. Yep. And I'm sure elsewhere. But if you ever see a live showing, like people will say certain lines with the characters, or like do certain things at certain moments. Uh, it, it is one of those types of movies. And man, it is just so good. It's been a minute since I watched it. And now I'd like really, really want to watch it. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> and watching it with someone who's never seen it before is like one of the best experiences because they're just so weirded out. <laughs> so should we uh should we ping pong our way into some salt? <laughs> should we bounce seamless our way transition? <laughs> Absolutely seamless. Um to the listener, Tony's getting married pretty soon. So we got to yeah. record some doubles. So every once in a while, there's going to be an episode where we're a little punchy, a little, a little ratchet, a, a little ratchet, drinking a little, drinking a little bit as Mike and I shake our little drinky drinks on camera. You know, oh, Tony, Tony just pulled out a bong. Holy shit. Oh, he's what? ripping oh, it. <laughs> That's not true. I work on government contracts. I'm actually not doing that. (laughs) Tony's coworkers, he's ripping a bomb on camera right now. (laughs) No. Uh, uh, Wow. You, yes, you, you are mandated to report this to your (laughs) mom. Oh, man. Okay, let's get into it, guys. This is enough <laughs> fucking around. <laughs> but wait, Sam. Yes? What's salt? Tony, you sweet man. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I fucking got you, man. I got you, bro. I appreciate that. Mike, pick up the pace, dude. Come on. Yeah. I just already know. I, I can't believe Tony keeps forgetting every week. <laughs> it's <kind of> embarrassing. <laughs> I think the real embarrassing thing that has taken us like 63 or whatever the fuck episodes to make that joke. <laughs> Salt is frustrations in the game. Salt is when you sit down with a pre-con, your other friends sit down with a pre-con and someone is looking for a table to play at and they come down with a Thassa's Oracle combo deck and you get pub stomped and you don't like it. Salt is when maybe you cast your commander it gets countered. You cast it again, it gets countered one more time. 
that like consistent removal can be a few little grains of salt. Maybe someone's being a jerk at the table. Maybe someone's being dishonest about their board state. Maybe somebody is being dishonest about their power level of their deck. That can be bigger salt, you know, and we're going to talk about everything from the small grains to the full shakers. And really, as we've said, this is an educational podcast. We're talking about these salty stories so we can learn about salt. We can become better informed and maybe be less salty ourselves. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Poetic. Hasn't happened for us, though. No. <laughs> In fact, now we play casual games and we're all just incredibly tense the entire time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had such a salty game the other day. It was... uh I'm bummed we couldn't just play a CDH game and have a pal cleanser. Yeah. It, the three hours of it existing also didn't help for that game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lesson learned. Let's not play three precons against each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, shall we get into it, guys? Let's. Hell yeah. All right. So this first salty story comes to us from our Patreon and comes to us from our buddy Accidental TPK. Hell yeah. What up, boy? What up? This story is titled Salt Confession Time. Yay, I love a confession. And it goes, I pride myself as being a generally non-salty EDH player, but like most of the human population, I am not perfect. I'm glad that they said most, because that still leaves room for the three of us, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Here's what makes me more salty than anything else. Random target selection. Uh, it grinds my gears whenever someone has the opportunity to swing a big threat, but to try to avoid making any enemies, they choose a random opponent. Excluding, of course, effects that make you choose randomly. Example, one of my pod drops a fleet swallower in a mill deck. More like feet swallower. Nice, dude. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feet swallower. <laughs> uh. She decides that she wants to swing it, to get her mill trigger, but doesn't want to make enemies and decides to roll to choose who gets the pleasure of milling half their library. Mm. Fate decides to make me the target and I get milled. I then target her for the rest of the game because I am now at risk of being milled out. She then accuses me of unfairly targeting her because she chose her target randomly and anyone could get milled. My attitude to random selection of opponents because you are afraid to make enemies is fuck that. You are being a wuss. Grow a pair and make enemies like Richard Garfield intended. (laughs) I assume they mean grow a pair of salt shakers. Yeah, they must. Obviously. So this is actually hilarious because I think that we had actually kind of gotten into a bad habit of sort of doing this in our own pot a lot. Like everybody was like trying to not upset anybody. So we started using like the random thing a lot. Yeah. And actually we... A while back, we had Joe Johnson on, and he literally was like, yo, fuck that. Like, <laughs> you, you know, tell me, yeah. you're going to hit me? Fucking hit me. Like, <laughs> you chose me. Like, this is how it, how it be. And I feel like that kind of, like, shifted us back into this world where we we're like, yeah, no, I'm going to fucking pick somebody. We have, like, some bullshit justification sometimes. Yep. Like mine, when I'm just like, eh, it's Nick, so I guess I'm going to swing at Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like Nick and I say that for each other, and then Sam and Michael put some bullshit out into the universe to try and make it okay when they choose you. But like <laughs> Nick and I just fucking do it for the raw. Like this is how it's gonna be. But yeah, I find it interesting. It's interesting because you and Nick are kind of at this point now where you can pick each other, 
sometimes there's a lot of salt and sometimes there's no salt because you just respect the feud and you're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is that respect the hashtag respect the feud. I like yeah. that. <laughs> I am super guilty of this. I've definitely rolled a die and, and done some shit randomly. I, I think usually for like my first attack of the game when it's just empty boards, I will roll and just be like, whatever. And, and I do think it's because I don't want to make an enemy that early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause some people in our group don't like a one, one hitting them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, these tools can be used uh, effectively sometimes, but yeah, I, I do understand the salt. I think randomization is useful when like, it sort of doesn't matter in between the different options, you know, like two yeah. damage if you're dishing it out in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of a big, like doesn't matter. It's not a huge deal. So randomizing it and someone like if I'm on the receiving end of two damage because a die decided it was going to go at me, like I don't mind that too much for these bigger things like milling half your library. Yes. Things like that. Those things start to matter. So having more of a reason for them feels important. And having like big decisions that you're making without a reason kind of just feels like a chaos play. And and that I think is kind of where the salt comes in for me on this one is like at that point, it's not something you can just like toss around. You should make that decision based on reasons rather than like not making that decision at all. Yeah, I yeah. feel that. So accidental TPK's friend hits him with a fleet swallower and then is like, I can't believe you're focusing me now that I've hit you. Yeah. And when you have those types of effects that are game ending, like you get hit with a fleet swallower twice and you mill your deck. Hold on. Let, let me just read this fucking card. Not quite, <laughs> but you get close. It's, you know, it's like the log kind of shape. Log shape. Yeah, where it's going to go down and then asymptotically approach zero cards. Oof. Mike, this math talk. Speak <laughs> dirty to me, baby. <laughs> so Fleet Swallower is a 6-6 six, six creature fish. It costs five and two blue. It says whenever Fleet Swallower attacks, target player puts the top half of their library rounded up into their graveyard. You randomly pick your first person to have the Fleet Swallower hit. But... Do not be surprised when that player who got hit by the fleet swallower is like, I need to kill you now because if you hit them again, almost their entire library is going to be gone. No, three quarters of the libraries would be gone. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I see what you're talking about with the asymptote. Yeah. It is going to yeah. have immediately. There is indeed an asymptote here. Yeah. There is an asymptote. <laughs> Unless you're rounding down, the rounding starts to break it. Yeah. But not if like fucking Bruvax out. <laughs> Decks that do this will have those types of effects where it's like it's asymptotic, but it's like it's not for long. Like, yeah, yeah. I just think that when you point an effect this powerful at somebody, you need to recognize that they're going to look at you for the rest of the game and be like, "If you hit me a few more times with that, I am very, really, or I am very, really, superly, totally." a little concerned <laughs> well the thing is you got a clock right like i feel like they talk about that all the time in uh like fucking uh modern and limited like the clock and yeah. it's oh, like yeah. oh turn turn clock like i see it and that's like not something that's talked about as much in like commander but it happens in those individual scenarios where it's like i have a clock from this player now so if yeah. i don't kill them like then i'm out <laughs> so like yeah. obviously that's what they're gonna do well it's the same thing with rafiq 
Get those bingo cards out, everybody. Mark it down. <laughs> Rafik is the center space. square, Sam. That <laughs> one's free. <laughs> but it's I feel this with Rafik because I will start to attack somebody, and once they get to like 10 or 16 commander damage, they're like, well, now I have to kill you because no one else is threatening to kill me in a single attack, but you are, Sam. The difference is I'm not surprised when that shit happens. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. that's going to happen. But for this player with Fleet Swallower to be like, I can't believe you're getting up on me. I chose you randomly. It's a yeah. gamble. Will you continue to choose randomly? Or are you going to like absolutely mill the shit out of me at some point? Yeah. The choice at a certain point doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter that you chose it randomly because the end outcome is that now you're sitting there in a in a worse position. And so you yeah. have to start taking actions to mitigate that and like remove those threats and stuff like that. So it, it's really not a full shield. It does mitigate some of the the blame in very narrow situations where the blame is pretty limited anyway but this is too large of an issue for that yep i feel like what makes me more salty about these types of interactions is when somebody goes to like they the randomly chosen thing happens and then the person that is chosen is like oh well now i'm gonna do this to you and they're like okay actually i'll, I'll do it to somebody else instead yeah and that's like, messed like, up that's yeah. what I like hate. Like, <laughs> and it happens so much on on attacks in particular, right? Because somebody will be like, "All right, I'll choose randomly," and it goes at this person, and then the person, aka Mike, will immediately be like, "I really <laughs> have to advise you not to do that." <laughs> and then I do. You know, ninety percent of the time he actually has an answer, and then ninety percent of the time Nick just randomly then decides to attack somebody else. <laughs> I need to encourage you to not attack me because I don't want you to attack me. Oh, man, I, I'm at the point now where I, if you say that to me, I'm just going to keep doing it. I'll I know just be you like, will. Whatever. I know you will, Sam. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but I don't Nick say won't. that to you. I don't say that to you. I say that to other people. <laughs> so what do uh, what do we think about this all rating here on this one? This one's medium to me i mean it's salty but i i think the thing is, that sticks out to me here isn't the random selection it's somebody not realizing like the gravity of an action that they've taken at the table whether it was randomly decided or not you know what i mean like right. if you swing at somebody and and have some effect that is threatening lethal within a couple turns like you said tony putting that clock on them like mm. you need to recognize that there's going to be pressure on that player and they are going to come back at you whether you picked it randomly or not. Like it's not, not a crazy concept. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like I know the the story is a little more specific, but I, I just interpret it as like the random selection piece of it. And I feel like it's mm -hmm. such a sliding scale and like situations like this, obviously I think the salt will be high from the person that is receiving like the mill here, but like in general, even even when I'm playing and and like it's not a big deal, it, it almost annoys me. I, yeah. I want you to just pick me. Like I'll actually probably be less annoyed with you if you just pick me. Unless you're anyone in my pod. Then I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I pick you, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I choose you. <laughs> well, should we move on to another one? Hey. Yeah, let's do it. So this is a very similar one. And this one also comes from Patreon. From our buddy Cream Bean. What's up, Cream Bean? And the post is titled Salty Confessional, Rolling Dice Slash Flipping Coins for Choosing a Target. Very similar. Mm. And it goes, Hello, Salt Council. I'm writing today to share a salty slip-up of mine that happened a few weeks ago. 
So the details are not 100% clear, but this is the meat of it. I was playing a casual game with Royal Flood. Ooh, another one of our patrons. And two other buddies of mine. Flood is on Tuvasa, and I'm on a shoddily thrown together Gave Aristocrats. And my other friends were on Bellacor and Ishin. Tuvasa gets off to a hot start with a turn one exploration and a turn two soul ring. I can see the writing on the wall, having played with and against Enchantress decks. We're about to get steamrolled by an avalanche of value. Turn four or five, it comes to me, and Tuvasa now has a Ristic Study and Mystic Remora in play as well. <laughs> this board state is fucking crazy, dude. Soul Ring, Exploration, Mystic, and Ristic. Fucking busted. Bellicor player says something about being able to remove the Ristic Study, but I felt like taking care of it myself and maybe garner some favor with the two other players. So I hit it with an anguished unmaking, play a Sylvan Library, and pass the turn, drawing to Vasa at least two cards due to the fish. Next up is the Bellicor player, who casts a Feed the Swarm, which was originally intended for the Ristic study, but now has to find a new target. Tuvasa's Exploration or My Sylvan Library. Tuvasa and I give our cases for blowing up the other's thing. Tuvasa had missed their last land drop. I had done nothing else in the game other than ramp and blow up the Ristic study. So to determine what he's going to target, he says, I'm just going to flip a coin. Mm. To which I reply with something along the lines of, don't do that. Just pick a target and deal with the consequences. We go back and forth, and eventually, he blows up my Sylvan Library, which is fine, but this is where I start to get salty. It gets back to Tuvasa, who drew at least six cards from the fish, and the avalanche starts. Two lands come down, and he's off to the races, to which I sarcastically say, damn, it's a good thing you didn't have any lands, to which the Bellicor player says, it's your fault I targeted your Sylvan Library. (laughs) (laughs) Insert sodium overdose. I tell him that's not how the game works at all. He casts the spell. He chose the targets. We go back and forth, and eventually it breaks up when Flood told me to stop being a salty baby. So it dies down. <laughs> good work, Flood. Yeah, good on you, Flood. <laughs> Next turn, I killed Bellacor out of spite, which handed the game to Tuvasa, who essentially already had the win. Forgive me, counsel, for someone. I have salted and spite played, but I just had to get this off my chest. But please don't roll dice or flip coins for a target. Just pick one and deal with the consequences. Yeah, (laughs) we did kind of just discuss basically this, but the randomization does not absolve you of consequences. Yeah. So you just need to know that up front. You can use randomization if you don't care and the consequences are all similar and the outcomes are all similar, but you are not absolved of consequences by using a random uh, choice just doesn't work that way. I feel like this is similar, but different because the other one was like doing a random act and then sort of being like, well, the consequences don't fall on me. And this one is really like randomly targeting when there is a player that is clearly overpowered and running away with the game. Like, why would you ever consider the Sylvan library a threat when there's a fucking fish on the table, man. A Tuvasa player with a fish. Yeah, Tuvasa yeah. player with a fish. They're already drawing different. crazy cards. And they have one of the best draw engines on the board. Like, I'm I'm salty just fucking reading this, man. <laughs> like, if someone did this with me at the table and was like, uh, yeah, let's fucking kick Sam while he's down and get rid of his only source of card draw, which costs a ton of life 
and leave the other person who's his multiple card draw sources in play. That is ridiculous, dude. <laughs> and then have the gall to say that it's your fault. Yeah. Oh, my fault for removing the risk study for us for the table. Like, good lord. Well, you well, you got rid of my my target, so now I had to do it randomly. It's like, no, you don't. Just change. Oh, see, oh, I interpreted God. it more as like they went back and forth and like we're almost getting annoyed. So they're like, all right, fine, I'll I'll take this open library. Oh. Yeah, and then it was more of a result of like that, which still feels not good. <laughs> like that yeah, feels real so bad. <laughs> I don't know if you can't evaluate a Tuvasa player having like an insane board state, and somebody who has a Sylvan Library and just hasn't really done much that game. Like, I'm I'm getting salty, man. I'm getting fucking Sam's salty. Sam's hackles are raised. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> my hackles, my heckles, and my hokels are up. Oh, I will say it sounds like maybe you could have just held the anguished on making a little longer. I don't know exactly the timing of this. I, I, I couldn't quite catch it from the post, but that's going to deal with any permanent. So maybe it's yeah. maybe it's not required to deal with the Ristic up front. Um, I think it's non lands. Is it? It is. Yeah, you, you, you could have held on to that. The danger with the Ristic, though, is that triggers continue to not get paid and value accumulates. Yeah. I don't know. When you say something like garner some favor with the other players, you got to earn that favor. You, you can't just like assume it. You have to like explicitly get that favor. You got to garner. You got to you got to garner. You can't get paid in arrears. You got to get paid in. What's the opposite? Up front. You got to yeah. get paid up front, I guess. <laughs> uh, so if you say, hey, if I deal with that Ristic, will you guys leave me alone for a turn? Like. That goes smoothly, you know, that works out for you. And you can still do everything that you did in the game in the same way without getting your Sylvan library removed. But you can't just trust people to act on good faith, apparently. People have different <laughs> ideas of like what's reasonable to give you favor for. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty justified salt here. You know, we talk a lot about when people have like poor target prioritization, how frustrating that can be. And to me, this is like classic example of a table needing to team up to dismantle someone's amazing board state. And I mean, you know, we talked about it. You guys heard it. Exploration, Soul Ring. They're clearly swimming in mana. Ristic Study and a late game Mystic Remora. You know that fish is sticking around pretty much the entire game. At least two to three rounds, right? Yeah. With the Soul Ring on board, you have like a, a guaranteed yeah. three rounds of Mystic basically that you're willing to pay and it's just it's just so frustrating when someone sees that board state and they're like yeah but there's also that like sylvan library like if the two vasa player was like but you could blow up the sylvan library too i'd be like shut up dude like are you kidding me i'm blowing up your shit you have multiple card draw engines on board right now i'm not i don't care about the person who's going to take eight life and draw three cards well what do we think about the salt rating it's high <laughs> uh it's so full shaker for me man i i would be i would be really really frustrated i i absolve you of your your sins here cream bean because i i'd be in the exact same boat this is super frustrating yeah i i agree i think it's high being told that it's your fault is like <laughs> supremely victim blamey yeah and i don't subscribe to that <laughs> yeah I think that was the moment at which I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's how it's going to be. Like, <laughs> Yeah. 
it's just like the back and forth leading up to that too. It's just like you just can't see that the two Vasa players so clearly running away with it. Like Enchantress decks just ooze value, dude. <laughs> like it's just I'm I can't man, get it's over really it, got man. you going. Like I can't get over it. I'm frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I it's I'm so salty. There's something too about this being like a moment where you've kind of hastily thrown together Agave deck, and then there's this two Vasa deck that I have to imagine is like a bit more tuned and like yeah. set up. It's like that's a moment where you it feels extra bad too because you're like I'm just trying to figure out this deck, see if I've put it together decently, and now I'm getting punished for trying to be a helpful teammate on the board. Yeah. Also, I don't like we don't have the numbers here, but I can only imagine the fat grip of cards that Tuvasa player is holding as this conversation is going down, right? With like a Mystic and Tuvasa triggers online. They're like, eh, but I didn't hit my land drop. It's like, who cares? You got a soul ring, dude. You didn't hit your land drop because you have an exploration out. So you've been dropping yeah. your extra lands. <laughs> you, you hit those land drops two turns earlier because yeah. of the expiration. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry, Kreen. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you ready for a third here? I am. Fuck yeah. You know what? We've already done two. Let's make it a hat trick. Let's stay in our lovely patreon and do another patreon post here patreon oh, special we haven't heard from him in a while so let's check in with our buddy florian prime speaker florian hey and this post is titled why am i salty when i shouldn't and the story goes my maelstrom wanderer is a very powerful deck and i always communicate that in the new lgs that i am playing in lately i finally found people who are really into intense high level commander not that I don't like the casual game, but every now and then I really want to get it. I feel you, dude. So we sat down and talked about our deck choices and game plans, decided we would make a great match and have fun while we were at it. Five minutes later, I am boiling with salt. Not one single game has gone by where I wasn't stacked out by stasis or somebody won with a fast combo. This game sucks and every opponent is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Calm down, Florian. The salt is okay because Stax is blue and blue is a trash color and only trash people play that. True life. In all seriousness, I knew what I signed up for and all the decks I ran against were pretty sick. I'm just salty because my Wanderer, my pet project, altered art gallery, honed for years, was not able to hang. And why that? It is certainly not a bad deck. I think it is because I am doing the egotistical thing where I don't have any interaction and try to run away with the game myself. So the fault clearly lies with me. Am I going to change the list? More interaction? Maybe even counterspills? Heck no. Fuck that. Hell yeah. <laughs> After all, every now and then, a good portion of sodium is necessary for the body to keep functioning properly. Dude. <laughs> all the right mindsets. Just don't run into, like, intense combo decks because it sounds like yeah. you can't handle them. Yeah. This is like such a relatable post. I feel like, like how many times do you sit at a table and you're like, yeah, this is my like high power pet deck. And then people just crush you and you're like, but, but my pet deck, I, I yeah. couldn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't get to do any of the things I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're like, Hey, it's high power. And someone else is like, yeah, minus two, uh, winter orb. And uh, you're like, Oh, but that's not the high power i wanted <laughs> <laughs> or it's even like the interaction piece right like you have like a fucking insane hand that is gonna like run away with it but then they yeah. just remove one of those pieces and you don't have a way to stop it or like slow them down it's a feel bad yep 
it is. I will say, get those bingo cards out. I do feel this with my Alesha deck a lot because the I, I'm not like fully the one that you pub out. stomp the patrons with that that deck. Yep. Uh, gotcha. Okay. I was yeah, just that's checking. The one. <laughs> I was making sure that's the right one. Okay. It, it's not like fully blinged out, but I'm starting to bling it out. But it is just like a pet deck for me. But the thing is that, like, in some moments, it has really good synergy and it's super powerful. But in other moments, it dirtles so hard because Alesha just has this ability to bring one thing back from your yard every turn. And sometimes I just don't have anything good to bring back. Yeah. You're saying it's kind of janky. Like, yeah, it's is that it's what just, you're suggesting right now, Samuel? <laughs> it's just jank, Tony. Okay. Okay. It's jank. Okay. What do you want from me? <laughs> I'm just checking, you know. It's just jank. <laughs> I need to play Grenzo again. <laughs> Why aren't you playing Grenzo? You should be, dude. It's a cool deck. It is. I like it a lot. But I definitely feel this. Like sometimes you just sit down and you kind of like mentally prepare for the power level you're about to get into. But once you're in it, you're like, eh, I'm fucking salty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like the the thing that really drives the salt is the like the pet factor, right? If it's like, yeah, we all have that deck. And like sometimes it changes, right? Like I certainly have like different decks to sort of fit that for me right now than maybe if you asked me six months ago or and certainly different than if you asked me mm-hmm, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But like when that deck doesn't do its thing, and you know it's like good, like that. That's what makes it worse. It's like I know it's a good deck. Like yeah. it's like, but wait, just let me, let me, let me do it again. Can, can we do it again, please? Like <laughs> from the top. I promise you, it can actually, it can do the thing. It really can. It's not bad like this. <laughs> like when you're like mana fucked or something like that. Like I feel like for me, that's usually what it is. It's that like I, I didn't keep like a ridiculous hand or anything, but like it's just not doing it you know like i got mana screwed for one reason or another didn't shuffle well or whatever it's probably on me but just didn't want to mulligan that one additional time you're like "Eh, let's just go with it i feel like every hand i get where i'm like yeah let's just go with it every single time i'm like this hand sucks yeah and and i shouldn't have (laughs) just gone with it this is trash yeah i also feel that interaction piece man like again with my alesha deck if you just remove alesha i'm like well guess i'm not going to do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's probably why I say that the deck plays so poorly because it is a good deck, but you guys have just locked into removing Alesha early or like reading when it's about to pop off and be like, all right, well, we'll just get rid of that. I'm like, all right, well, I'll pay seven mana to cast Alesha again and I'll pass the turn. Man, that is the <laughs> worst part about a linchpin commander is when yeah. you pay for it not the first time it's coming out, the second time. The second time when you take your whole fucking turn, you spend like eight, like seven to eight mana to play oh, your commander dude. again. Oh my God. It it's feels so bad. <laughs> and I always say it to him like, well, fuck me. I guess I'll play my commander and yep. then fucking Mike board wipes. I'm like, great. Great. Well, yeah, because you played your commander. <laughs> you gotta get that out of there. The number of times where I've paid seven to nine mana to recast Alesha. A three two with first strike. He's yeah. like absolutely just soul crushing, man. Like yeah, the, it really is. Especially if I can even get that deck to nine mana. I'm like, hell yeah, doing pretty good for the Mardu <laughs> deck. And then it's just like, all right, recast my commander. It's a three two, so don't. Don't do anything to it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bolt it. Don't even shock it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. 
I feel that, man. It's just, it's just, you know, I think it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, uh, how do we feel about the salt rating on this one? It feels like pretty like run of the mill salt. Like, I think this is a pretty relatable experience that most people have had, but I, I don't know. It, it doesn't strike any like particularly salty chord with me, I would say. This is high for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I'm just in a salty mood tonight, but <laughs> just like thinking about all the times where I've had my linchpin commander removed in, in those types of decks is frustrating, man. And it's not for lack of interaction or protection. Like you build that stuff into your deck, but sometimes just variance and that shit doesn't pop up at the right moment or you don't have the mana untapped or, you know, whatever. Like it, it happens to everybody. And and it is kind of a common relatable salt, but like it's still frustrating when it happens. Mm-hmm. I, I feel it for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say it feels like I don't know if I'm salty when it happens, but I am sad. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like it's usually more of where I'm at with it, where it's like I it's just not doing. I'm just not doing anything, and it yeah. just feels like it's on you, right? Uh, and in imbati- like I definitely feel this way about my Yearlock deck, which is my current bling deck <laughs> that I spent a pretty penny like getting all these like fun cards for it, and I still love like seeing the art and like popping it down. But then I'm like, uh, we're just not doing anything. Like I haven't contributed anything. Like nothing has fucking happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like lived the dream the one time I played it, and then I should just have never played it again. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the problem. You came out of the gates hot, and we were all like, oh, that's not going to be all right. Let's make sure we deal with that every time. <laughs> yeah, Tony, you definitely have this like lucky, unlucky thing with like first time you play a deck where every single time you've brought a new deck to the crew and you play it, it fucking stops us. And then it really we're like, does. oh my God. Yeah, like like Obeka was the same way. I don't think Obeka's ever popped off how it has from that first game. Obeka popped off the first few times like pretty hard. Willow Dusk did it too. Yeah, Willow Dusk did it too. Well, Willow Dusk was like designed to do it, so Willow Dusk was very consistent. The first time you played Willow Dusk, you you took someone out on turn like two, and we were like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Uh, felt good. Felt fucking good. <laughs> He's still riding that high. <laughs> still, still uh, feeling good about it. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, should we, uh, should we get this little pistachio boy tucked into bed? I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> the Manhattan that was energizing me in the first half of this episode is no longer energizing down me. In the... <laughs> I noticed like a shift when you finished the second half of that drink. Like, ooh, Mike's eyes are almost closed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's before true. this little pistachio boy passes out, I think it's that time of the week, Sam. Ooh, the time of the week that comes every week, Tony? Every motherfucking week, baby. Let go. Baby. It's that time of the week where we say, Mike. Mike. Mike, 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 Mike. What's the salty card of the week? The salty card of the week this week is salty table kicking my ass. Salty table happens so fast. A winter orb cast on turn three. I tapped out and that's it for me. 
sugar days drifting away. But oh, oh, the salty nights. Wella, wella, wella. <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Does it destroy my lands? Tell me more, tell me more. Does it discard my hand? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's Summer Nights by Greece, everybody. By Greece, salty nights. from Greece? Salty Nights. From Greece, from Greece, whatever. Mm-hmm. Isn't Greece a band? <laughs> Definitely not. That one was for you, Tony. <laughs> it was. And I loved it. I could have used a little more jazz hand, but like, it's okay. All right. I'll forgive well, you. I'll take that note. I'll take that note. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Sam. Wow. Thanks, Mike. Two in a row. Shit. The salty card of the week this week is oppression. Oh. It is one and two black for an enchantment. Whenever a player plays a spell, that player discards a card from his or her hand. Mm. Oh, fuck this card, dude. <laughs> this card's super hard. <laughs> so, uh, Tony, how does this one make you feel? It makes me salty. It makes me mad, actually. It's like, I go straight from salty to mad. I'm just like, fuck you. Like, like whoever's putting this effect in a deck, I hate you. I don't like you. We won't be friends. <laughs> Let it be known. <laughs> Understood. Even Mike. <laughs> Check. Okay. Won't put this in the deck of right now. <laughs> right into Volrath. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Was it? Did it say player? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> the yawniest. Yeah. The yawniest. <laughs> no. Yeah. From Mike. Like two two feet away from the microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, edit that one in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah like this is the kind of thing that you put in like very specific decks that i'm gonna hate it anyway like this is in fucking turgrid i'm sure and like all yep. those stupid fucking things that we've talked about before it's like i it, it like slows the game down and that's probably what i hate the most about it unless i like happen to be in a scenario where i'm drawing like a fuckload of cards and like have something going on but knowing the type of effect this is like the deck that's going to utilize it is going to have other effects that like stops your opponents from drawing multiple cards a turn and like really makes like use of mm-hmm. it. And, but like I've also seen decks like that do the thing, but okay, well now nobody has cards in hand and we're fucking all ripping one off the top and just playing whatever it is. And just like, it's so slow and, and it's oppressive in like a boring way. It's not like interesting, yeah. It's just like, okay, great. Now I don't have any fucking cards. Cool. This is really fucking cool. (laughs) Yeah. Like, are you having a good time? Like, cool. Definitely having a good (laughs) time. I hope hope you feel bad about yourself right now is what I actually (laughs) hope. (laughs) How does this one make you feel, Sam? Yeah, I fucking hate this card too. Like, (laughs) all the shit Tony said, it it is oppressive (laughs) in a boring way. Like, it is... That is is the name of the card. (laughs) Boring (laughs) oppression. It, It is just... Oh my god. I'm looking at the flavor text of it right now, and it says defeating an enemy is not nearly as satisfying as watching one suffer. Just so fucking true. Like, this card is just such a feel-bad, man. I get why people play it. Certain decks really capitalize off it, like Turgrid, Tiny Bones, things like that. Certain decks can break parity off it, too, if they have, like, their own graveyard recursion. I mean, Tiny Bones, right, loves this. Like, every time yeah. someone casts a spell, you basically get to draw a card at the end of the turn. Like, exactly. that's, yeah. that's pretty brutal. 
And everybody loves Tiny Bones and loves playing yeah, against Tiny Bones. Yeah, people love playing against <laughs> Tiny Bones. Yeah, shout out to Nick's failed Tiny Bones experiment, which was <laughs> not fun to play against and not fun to pilot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, th- th- this card, I mean, Tony said it very well. It- it's super frustrating. It turns games into a slog. I think this card is like a pretty salty mechanic. I'm not going to refuse to play against an effect like this. Like we've played against our fair share of this in decks that Nick has. I'm sure it's in Mogus right now. Or I know Pat had a pretty intense deck that that played this effect at a certain point. And like you can play through it, but it's a slog and it does slow the game down. It's just frustrating. It's high salt for me, for sure. Also, it's getting a fucking reprint. <laughs> oh, my God. It's getting reprinted in Enchanted Tales for Wilds of Eldraine. Wow, I didn't realize that. didn't fucking yeah. mean. That's awesome. It looks I really love that. pretty. The art is very nice. I love that. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about this, Mike? I, I think this is an intense card to play into. I do kind of like symmetrical effects like this that have such a massive game warping impact. Like, I think that's interesting. Like, I I, I, I really like the moment that this comes down and everyone has to reevaluate their hand and, like, think through, like, oh, can I play around this? Can I get a value engine on board with, like, essentially half of the cards that I have in my hand? Yeah. Because I'm going to have to discard the other half. I think that's sort of, like needing to pivot your game plan to address a certain card i think cards that can force that to happen are really interesting and i appreciate that they exist this one in particular does i think lead to kind of the situation you guys have all talked about where you're drawing one card to turn yeah you can't even really play it and you're just like stuck like on this grind uh there's a similar effect painful quandary that's five mana and that one at least gives you the option of either paying five life or discarding a card. And that one has like a little more flexible ability only hits opponents though. So I, I think that it's an interesting concept on a card, but I, I think that the actual play pattern ends up being a little too frustrating for me to, to really want to put it into a deck. I I will point out that this card plays really well when you're hell bent, when you've no cards in hand, because you can't discard but but that still puts you in this this pattern where you are top decking and just playing the one card that you have in hand. If you're playing this, a great way to break parity on it is to just have no cards in hand and kind of build your deck around that. Like Rakdos Hellbent is is a thing. Um, but yeah, f- frustrating for sure. So M- Mike, where does this fall on the list? Why don't you crack a couple guesses? Ooh, you want me to go first this time, Tony? Like you're staring into my soul. <laughs> oh, it's that awkward thing where like the screen is here, so I'm always looking at the screen. But just then, I was staring at you the were. camera, you looking really away, were staring thinking, into the camera because I was yeah. like thinking. Thirty nine. Whoa! He did it. He did it. Wow, that's annoying. Um, oh I'll God. be remembered for my bravery. Okay. In this moment, you won't. You won't, Tim. That's not how this works at all. Trust me. I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I'm built different. God damn! I really was gonna like say, I was debating between three numbers. Thirty nine was one of them, so it's gonna Hell be yeah. we didn't odds. I saw uh, it when you looked into my soul. I, I saw it <laughs> written on your pupils. But the real thing is, it, it's between like I was gonna say like maybe forty two or thirty seven. <laughs> like, no, it's man. really like picking a direction. Yeah, are you, are you going high or low? That that's how this game is played. <laughs> yeah, 
I'll go 42. Tony, you finally got one. The Uh, fucking champ wins. (laughs) Not the champ. I will say neither of you were incredibly close on it. It is 93. (laughs) (laughs) We're trash. I feel like this effect is so salt inducing, but I guess it's probably not seen that much is maybe why it would be. uh, Yeah. Up on the list. This is the kind of effect that everybody like everybody hates. Everybody knows everybody hates it. Mm-hmm. So like if you're playing it, you you really kind of are being a dick. Like you know that everyone's <laughs> going to be mad at you and like hate you for playing it. Like and it, it doesn't matter if it fits in your deck. Like that doesn't matter yeah. anymore, you know. It's like a it's like social contract type thing. It's like you're telling me I can't have fun is what it feels like. Well, the other thing is that it's not asymmetrical. So I think that probably turns a lot of people off mm-hmm. from actually running it in their decks. You really need a specific build to capitalize on it. People also, I think, generally feel a little less salty about things that are symmetrical. Like it's a, it's a little harder to feel bad. Not about this kind of thing. Perfectly <laughs> symmetrical. Not yeah, this kind even of this thing. thing. I, you know, I could see that. I get that in general, but for this, no, this card would be saltier if it said opponents have to discard a card oh, whenever they cast yeah. a spell. Like it just would. Sure. Be. If yeah, it's yeah, an yeah, ad yeah. for three mana, I'd be running this in a lot of decks. Right. <laughs> right. So, like, I, I don't buy saying that the symmetry doesn't lower the salt on it, right? Like, it definitely does, but it's sure. still salty enough even with that that lowering. I think it mostly just lowers the appearance of it. Cards on the top 100 are generally like a intersection of how salty does it make you and how often do you see it and how expensive is it or, or like exclusive is it? Mm-hmm. And and this is it's probably a combination of like that symmetry factor and that people just don't really want to run it in their decks unless again, like we said, Turgrid, Tiny Bones, maybe there's a couple more commanders that want this, but I really don't think many do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This card is like seventeen to eighteen dollars. So it definitely has that, you know, that'll probably drop with the reprinting, but definitely has that element of like it's just over the price threshold that it starts to to be a thing to consider. And it's only in 1% of decks, so it's definitely not getting an insane amount of play, but it wow. is breaking that 0% threshold to to make it into yeah. a calculable Which is a fair amount. Percent. Yeah, yeah. It's calculable. I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Top commanders make sense, too. I'm looking at it now. Tiny Bones, Cow Cow, Lord of Way. Who the fuck is that? That's that like old school Black Legend, I think. Yeah, yeah. you can basically tap it to mind rot someone. Yeah. Nath of the Guilt Leaf, which is like a classic black and green stacks build. Turgrid. Greel the Mind Raker. I've never seen this card in my entire life. A spell Shaper. What I love a Spell Shaper. Is this? Five mana, X and a black tap it. Discard two cards from your hand. Target player discards X cards at random from their hand. God, just these like brutal. No way to win. Just builds. fucking discard cards. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. just cruel discard. I mean, a lot of these are just low count commanders anyways, like not a lot of decks. And it appears in like a handful of the decks for like Greel the Mindraker. There's 82 decks. Cow <laughs> Cow has 65 decks. Like get it, Cow Cow. Yeah. Crush it. Crush it, dude. On that grind. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the uh, salty card of the week. Thanks, Mike. That was a lovely salty card that we all hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast. If you want more Howling Salt Mine, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Salt Mine. We have our Stray Grains show. It's our short form show. All of the little tangents that don't make it into the final cut of the episode make it into our Stray Grains feed. We're sprinkling those into the feed every week for our prospectors. And then we also have our Extra Salt show, which is our monthly show. We're doing deck techs. We're doing deep dives into the color pie, something new that we just kicked off. We have Q&A on there. We just had a bunch of fun content on there if you want to check it out. We also have a thriving Discord community, and every month we are playing in our Commander Game Nights with our community members, and it's just a ton of fun. We got pods rolling up every week. We're talking about spoilers. We're talking about decks. We're sharing decks in our deck list forum. It's a good time. Come check it out. I also have to mention our merchandise. You can either check out our branded Dragon Shield sleeves with the beautiful Howling Salt Mine logo on them. Those are on our newly launched website, thehowlingsaltmine.com or howlingsaltmine.com. You can put the the on there. We don't even mind if you do that. It's totally cool. You can also get our bonfire merchandise. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, crop tops with our logo on it, or you can get the blues, a trash card for trash people shirt. People love that one. We did sell a crop top today. Did we? The first one ever. Yeah, Dude, yes. <laughs> did you buy it? No, <laughs> but my friend did actually. So. That's amazing. <laughs> it's a shame they don't have crop bottoms on there. Everything's a crop bottom. <laughs> if you already have a Howling Saltman shirt and you're already a member of the Patreon, another thing you can do to help out the show is give us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app of choice. That really is something that does help small creators like us. I know a lot of people say that shit and you get sick of hearing it, but we say it every week anyways, because it works. <laughs> it, it does elevate us in the algorithm and people who haven't heard of the show will get it suggested to them and stuff like that. So it helps people discover the show organically. Uh, and it, it's kind of a cool, a cool tool that's out there for us. Lastly, we got to shout them out. Our amazing podcast artist, JD Burnett, who gifted us our beautiful podcast art. Thank you so much, JD. We love the art and uh, you can get it on a sleeve now, which is pretty hot. If you guys are ever in Asheville, North Carolina, hit up JD and get a tattoo. He is an awesome dude. 10,000 subscribers are bust. <laughs> Mike's in on it. He's doing it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. I think that's it for us, guys. Hell yeah. I see that Mike has put on his long, floppy sleeping hat and sleeping gown. He has a little candle on a dish that he's carrying. And he's just ready to hop in bed. I'm a sleepy guy in a sleepy mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, that's a great song. Where were you when I was singing that shitty grease cover earlier? <laughs> Sleeping. <laughs> Thanks again, everybody. And stay salty. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the howling song. It's about like a like a coin flip, basically. Yeah, whatever. Coin flip is different than a random three okay. person and a random three way. So nice. <laughs> Hello, Salt. Oh my god. Hello, Salt Cult. Hello, Salt Cult. Salt Cult. Salt Cult. Salt Cult.
Salt, Hello, salt. salt cult. Welcome to the salt cult. Oh man, that's what we're calling the next Patreon tier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's the that's the like five thousand dollars tier or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We revisit the mine. Yeah, I can see the writing on the wall. Having played again, having played, in, ugh, having played. In, oh my god, <laughs> having played in, having played in. I can see the writing. I no. I don't want you. I, I, can, I can do it. I can do it. GTA? Yeah. What? Grand Theft Auto? Ground 2 Air. Oh. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> GTA 5? GTA 5. Put a little asterisk on that one for us, you know? <laughs> Those are my favorite kind of wins for you guys when they have asterisks on them. Oh, yeah. It happens. Sometimes you got to put an asterisk on a game just because... Because it's been, I really do love that. We'll like play the like the whole game doing something wrong, and then like at the end of the game, be like, "Oh, actually, like this thing I've been doing for the past like ten turns just doesn't work this way." So yeah, I am winning right now, but uh, you know we're not going to walk that back. So just put an asterisk on it, dude. I remember this one specific CDH game <laughs> that was like our last game of the night, and yeah. at one point. I think, Mike, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. At one point, I realized that I hadn't been, like, rolling for my crypt, my mana crypt at all. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I missed all my crypt triggers. And then Mike <laughs> was like, I missed all my crypt triggers, too. Yeah. And then there was, like, something else on top of that that we were both just fucking up that game. And we both just took the misplay bay, uh, which... Yeah, I, we were like, give this to me. Yeah, we were like, just <laughs> take that because we, we fucked up the game. I don't think we talk about that very much. But but we do in our casual games we track saltiness and the arch enemy. Those are like our two uh, kind of additional things that we track. But in the CDH we track misplays, and I, I don't think I think we might have mentioned that at some point. But it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. You say <laughs> it matters a great it deal. It matters a great deal. It matters a great deal.